0: Welcome to Advancing the Agenda. I'm your host, Michael Abramson. Today I will be recapping the midterm elections, providing some high-level thoughts on the election, discussing what I thought was the most disappointing result, and then going into the Georgia elections and specifically talking about why Senator Warnock did better than Stacey Abrams, and then providing some advice for Herschel Walker as he enters the runoff. As of this recording, control of neither the House nor the Senate has been officially determined. It appears, however, that Republicans will have control of the House. The election for U.S. Senator in Georgia is going to a runoff on December 6th, and we are still waiting on the results for the Senate race in Nevada. I'm not sure what's taking Nevada so long, Perhaps they should enlist all of the blackjack dealers to help them count the votes. Overall, though, I am very happy with the results of the election. To me, the Republicans did their job. My goal for them, at a minimum, was to control either the House or the Senate. And it looks like they are going to control the House. Now that they've done so, the Republicans will be able to stop The Biden administration's legislative agenda. First, they'll be able to stop the Biden administration's reckless spending. And secondly, they'll be able to run the congressional committees. And this means that they will be able to conduct congressional investigations. Not only will they be able to look into Hunter Biden and President Biden's ties to foreign countries, They will also be able to press other members of the administration. At congressional hearings, they could have Attorney General Merrick Garland testify and discuss why the Department of Justice targeted parents at school board meetings. They can also call on Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas to testify and discuss the border, whether he thinks the border is secure and what, in his definition, secure means. And the answers to these questions will provide some insight into the goals of the Biden administration, and hopefully the administration's answers on these questions will help convince people to vote for the Republican Party. The Republicans did not have the red wave that the pollsters were predicting, and while it would have been preferable, the outcome in the election is okay. Controlling a branch of the legislature means that the Republican goals could be achieved. Would it have been better if the Republicans had won more seats? Of course, but it's a lot better than losing the majority. And we shouldn't be surprised that pollsters got it so wrong. The pollsters really do not have a very good record when it comes to elections. When we think about 2016, Almost no one gave Donald Trump a chance to win the presidency when he first declared his candidacy, except for yours truly, who predicted a Trump victory. And then when President Trump was facing Hillary Clinton, most of the pollsters thought that Hillary Clinton would win. So we need to stop putting so much faith in the pollsters. And another negative effect of the pollsters is that their predictions might have dampened Republican turnout. Republicans might not have come out because they thought that the Republicans were going, to get, were going to win anyway, and that their vote was unnecessary. And if Republicans have learned anything from this election, it is that they need to get out and vote. If they don't vote, they might not win the election. I want to move now to what I thought was the most disappointing race And that is the race for New York governor between the incumbent Democrat Kathy Hochul and the Republican opponent, Congressman Lee Zeldin. Governor Hochul won this race with 52.9% of the vote and Congressman Zeldin had 47.1%. Now, I understand that New York is a liberal state, that it is considered solidly blue and Democrat, but I was really hoping That Congressman Zeldin would win. And that's because of the unbelievable crime that is going on in New York. If we look at New York City, we have people being pushed onto the subway tracks, we have women being beaten in the middle of the day in broad daylight. It is just a very, very dangerous place. And this epidemic of crime in New York can be tied back at least partly to Governor Andrew Cuomo and his passage of what's called the cashless bail law in New York, which eliminates money bail for most misdemeanors and nonviolent felonies. The result is that after criminals get arrested and processed, they get released back onto the streets. And when they get back to the streets, they commit the crimes again. The result has been an increase in crime and an increase in violence. I would have thought that the residents of New York would have been so upset with the crime that they would have foregone their traditional ways of voting Democrat and instead vote for a Republican so that they can remove the system of cashless bail and reinstitute a traditional system of bail, which keeps dangerous criminals in jail and off the streets. Moreover, a Governor Zeldin would appoint a new district attorney in New York City who would be tough on crime, and a likely result would be a decrease in crime. Republicans need to take a long, hard look at this New York gubernatorial race and determine why people would still vote for the Democrats when it's clear and obvious that Democratic policy is leading to more crime the Republicans need to ask themselves three questions. Number one, do New Yorkers know about the high level of crime? And I would have to say that's probably true. Even if it's only covered nationally on Fox News, the local news stations and the local newspapers would be covering the crime. And quite frankly, crime is so high that New York residents hear it from one another. The second question that Republicans need to ask is whether Democrats were informed that Democratic policies partially led to this increase in crime. Did Democrats know that their party passed the cashless bail system, and did they know of its effects? And the last question is that if Democrats knew about the crime and knew that the Democratic policies led to the crime. And lastly, that Republicans would be able to stop this increase in crime. Why did they still vote for the Democrats? What was keeping them from voting for Lee Zeldin for governor? What Republican policy or what people thought was a Republican policy prevented those Democrats? Because it's pretty amazing that these Democrats voted against their own public safety in order to vote for Kathy Hochul. Once the Republicans can find out why those Democrats voted Democrat, they will be able to use that knowledge to help win future elections. To my listeners in New York, if you have any thoughts on this matter, please send me a tweet or a truth on Truth Social. Both are at MB Abramson, and let me know your perspective. I'd love to hear it. The last topic is the election in Georgia. Republicans had a great night. Governor Brian Kemp was re-elected, and Republicans won all of the constitutionally elected officers, including lieutenant governor, secretary of state, attorney general, etc. On top of that, Republicans kept control of both the state house and the state senate. Lastly, Republicans were able to push incumbent Senator Raphael Warnock into a runoff. And I consider this a win because incumbents typically win re-election at a very high rate. And even though Senator Warnock has been in office for only two years, he still brings advantages of incumbency, such as having a campaign staff that has already been set, a library of campaign data from the last election, and a fundraising advantage. It's interesting to compare the performances of Senator Warnock and Stacey Abrams. Senator Warnock got 49.42% of the vote, while Stacey Abrams only got 45.85% of the vote. So it raises the interesting question of why Senator Warnock did so much better. And I see two answers to that question. The first is that I think that Stacey Abrams was very hurt by her opposition to having the Major League All-Star Game in Atlanta, and being instrumental in having it moved to another city. The All-Star Game was one of these sports and pop culture moments that a population is really tuned into, one in which people were much more focused on than they are typically on politics. But in this situation, politics and pop culture and sports sort of meshed together, Georgia voters were upset with Stacey Abrams for her role in the relocation of the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, and I think this displeasure carried over to this election and influenced people to vote for Governor Brian Kemp. I think the other reason for Senator Warnock's success is that he portrays himself as a moderate, and this is especially seen in his television commercials. Whether it be that he's playing peewee football or standing in a bin with peanuts coming in it, he portrays himself as just an everyday person who's really fighting the bipartisan fight in Washington. Stacey Abrams, on the other hand, really does not hide her progressive views, and she puts them out there. Senator Warnock likely has similar views to Stacey Abrams. He supported the American Rescue Plan, the infrastructure law, the Inflation Reduction Act, all of which led to massive increases in inflation. And most telling of all, Senator Warnock is a supporter of President Biden. Senator Warnock, though, does not present himself as a progressive. And I think that it helped him in the election when you compare his performance with that of Stacey Abrams. One of the challenges for Herschel Walker in the upcoming runoff is to educate people on Senator Warnock's stances. As I stated in episode 53, I think it's advantageous that Governor Kemp beat Stacey Abrams because Abrams will not be drawing people to the polls and people would be more motivated to vote in the election if it was an election for both Stacey Abrams and Raphael Warnock. We know that Herschel Walker will be focusing on getting out the Republican vote and continuing to educate the voters on Senator Warnock's policy stances. But if I had one piece of advice for Herschel Walker, it would be to reach out to the Libertarian candidate who ran for Senate here in Georgia. His name is Chase Oliver, and he got 81,847 votes, or 2.07% of the electorate. If Herschel Walker had gotten 71.4%, of Mr. Oliver's votes during the general election, he would have had the number of votes necessary to win the election. These voters are going to be up for grabs for the runoff. In essence, they are the true undecideds because they did not vote for Mr. Walker or Senator Warnock. So it makes sense for Herschel Walker to try to get these voters on the Walker team. Herschel Walker should look to Arizona As an example, the Republican candidate there, Blake Masters, met with the Libertarian candidate, Mark Victor, prior to the election. And Mr. Victor endorsed Blake Masters, and it's likely that these votes have helped Blake Masters in his election. Herschel Walker should see if Chase Oliver will endorse him and help get Mr. Oliver's 81,847 voters to support Herschel Walker. These votes could certainly make the difference, and in a runoff where every vote counts, the candidate should be fighting for every vote, even if it means the unconventional ploy of going to the libertarian candidate. I look forward to speaking with everyone next time on Advancing the Agenda.